Welcome to The Hold Room with ACC, a quick update on all things relating to airport development as well as the Airport Consultants Council. This episode is part of the Passenger Experience Series hosted by ACC's Terminal and Facilities Committee. In this series, we are collecting the experiences and perspectives about the future of passenger travel including changing demographics, such as the U.S. population aging and becoming more multicultural, new technologies, labor and supply chain shortages, and what the future may have in store. Thank you for joining us in the Hold Room. Welcome back to the Hold Room. Today, Carrie and Laura are joined by Hirsch Parekh, Director of Government and Community Relations at the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, who shares insights into successful community relations, what goes into setting WMBE goals, benefits of having local employees, and some of the upcoming programs. Welcome back to The Hold Room. We are excited to talk today to Hirsch, the Port Authority of New York, New Jersey. Hirsch, would you like to take a few moments to introduce yourself? My name is Hirsch Parekh. I'm the Director of Government and Community Relations for New York at the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have you. So tell us a little bit more about your role at the Port Authority, any you know previous experience, goals for the industry, and what kind of neat things you're involved in right now. Sure. So the Port Authority, by virtue of its name, is, is a bi-state entity that operates, runs, manages many of the region's most important transportation infrastructure facilities. Everything from our major airports, which we're here to talk about today, such as LaGuardia, John F. Kennedy, and Newark Liberty, along with two smaller airports, Teterboro and Stewart. But we also own the World Trade Center site in Lower Manhattan. We own and operate some of the major crossings between New York and New Jersey, such as the George Washington Bridge, the Lincoln Tunnel, Holland Tunnel. We operate country's second largest seaport, the Port of New York and New Jersey. So we have a, a very diverse holding of assets and facilities within the Port Authority's portfolio. And so what my role is as the Director of Government and Community Relations for the New York side is to make sure that we are engaging with our elected officials, our governmental partners, but also groups in the communities, everything from chambers of commerce to civic associations to religious groups to community boards, so on and so forth, because many of our facilities also often sit within communities and neighborhoods, and it's important that we establish an, a strong relationship and, and manage and maintain those relationships with those communities and elected officials, because the operations of our facilities oftentimes will impact our neighbors, whether it's from construction, when we are embarking on some capital projects, or just traffic related to uh, customers coming to and from our facilities. And so it's important that we have a strong connection to our neighbors. It's important that we are working with them. It's important that they are aware of what's happening at our facilities. And it's important that they aren't just in some ways suffering from the impacts of living next to these facilities, but also accruing some of the benefits that come with living near those facilities. And so that's the role that that I play and, and my team, we played to make sure that those relationships are there, that those dialogues are happening regularly, and that we're trying our best to be good neighbors to the communities where our facilities are. That's great. Thank you for elaborating on your role and just some of the facilities that you're currently working with. Related to diversity, community engagement, 
ensuring that you're being good neighbors, as you put it. What are some of the goals specific to those initiatives? Maybe there's specific projects you're working on related to that. Could you elaborate more on those initiatives and how you're hoping to influence the community? Yeah, absolutely. With respect to our major airport projects, just for the audience's awareness, we do have three major redevelopment programs occurring at our three major airports. So we are reimagining, rebuilding Newark Airport, LaGuardia Airport, and John F. Kennedy Airports. My focus is specifically on LaGuardia and Kennedy. And just for context, we are at the last stages of the LaGuardia redevelopment program, which was a $8 billion public-private partnership to build a whole new LaGuardia Airport. Every Every single passenger facility was ripped up, torn down, and rebuilt, except for the historically landmark Marine Air Terminal. But we also rebuilt the entire network of roadways. We rebuilt the utility infrastructure, the parking garages. Everything on the airport, except for the runways and the taxiways, was part of the redevelopment of LaGuardia. And the results speak for themselves. LaGuardia's new Terminal B was just ranked by Skytrax as the best terminal in receiving the five-star rating. And so we're very proud of what we're doing at LaGuardia. And our next big project at the airports is JFK Airport, which is really in the middle of construction now. So LaGuardia was $8 billion. John F. Kennedy redevelopment program is $19 billion of redevelopment. Also a public-private partnership between the Port Authority and, and many terminal developers to, again, reimagine JFK to unify the terminals, to uh, modernize the terminals, and really improve the customer experience in a dramatic way. So we're very excited about what's to come at JFK. But that's just the background, right? Really, to your question, Carrie, how do we do these projects in a way that it's not just building or rebuilding an airport, but also doing it in a way that can benefit the diverse communities that live near our airports? Both LaGuardia and Kennedy sit in historically disadvantaged minority environmental justice communities, and they are bearing the brunt of everything from traffic that would would come with not just the redevelopment airport. But obviously, when you have two major airports, there's traffic that comes with that. So what can we do to make sure that they're not just bearing the brunt, but they're also able to take advantage of the benefits. And there's a couple of ways that we do that. One is something that we're incredibly proud of, which is our commitment to minority and women and local business enterprise participation at our airports. So that's MWBE and LBE participation. We have a 30% MWBE participation goal. And what that means is 20% minority and 10% women-owned businesses. And these are businesses that are often left behind or are not part of these mega infrastructure projects. And we did a disparity study that showed that the availability of minority and women-owned businesses versus the utilization of those businesses is not where it needs to be. And so with these goals, we require our private terminal partners to ensure that 30% of the contracts are going to MWBEs. But we also took it a step further and said, not just MWBEs, but let's really try to focus on the hyper-local businesses that operate near the airport. Again, these are businesses that should be benefiting from what's happening in their own backyard, whether it's trucking or architecture and design or even security services and catering. I mean, anything under the sun are things that you would need at an airport. So really having that hyper local focus is something that we have put up as a priority. And the results, once again, speak for themselves. At LaGuardia, we achieved with our private partners over $2 billion participation by minority and women-owned businesses, which is a 
record in the state of New York. And we know that we're going to far surpass that at JFK as that project moves forward. So it's a record we're very proud of, but it's something that we, we, we treat as an equal priority to the things that we spoke about when it comes to the customer experience and building world-class facilities. In addition to business participation, we also look at local hiring. And something like that benefits both the airport and local communities. As an airport employer, you want your employees to be close to their place of work because that's going to make them get to work on time, ensure that the airport can operate efficiently and and effectively. But also, if you're a local resident, you want to be able to work in your backyard. That reduces your commuting time. That gives you a sense of pride of this major asset in your community. We also have one of the higher minimum wages for all on-airport employees. In the state of New York, the minimum wage is $15. But at our airports, our minimum wage is $19. And so it's important, you know, for for local residents to be able to work in their backyards, take advantage and benefit from these historic investments coming into their communities. That's really incredible. And I was going to ask you about the 30% and how successful it is, but you already hit it. So that's (laughs) great. I guess I want to talk a little bit more about the community engagement aspect that you mentioned. What is usually your strategy with projects on community engagement? You had mentioned the local area. You want to be able to make sure that they see some of the positive impacts of it, not just the negative. So I was just curious if you could tell us more about that. Yeah, we make sure that we have regular engagement and dialogue with our neighbors. And that's everyone, like I said at the beginning, from elected officials and their offices to even going into churches or mosques or temples or places of worship and reaching the community through those forums. And it's making sure that The community knows what's happening at the airport, making sure that to the extent that there might be impacts associated with the construction that might cause them some pain, that they have awareness of it and explaining why we need to undertake that detour or why we need to close that road or have that pile driving occur, which will create some noise and other disruptions in the community. It's being as transparent as we can with what's happening at the airport. And to further that, we've also opened up two community outreach offices, one at LaGuardia and one at JFK, right in the heart of the community so that anyone, any resident can walk into the office, ask a question about what's going on, learn about opportunities that may be available to them. And to go even one step further, we hired community outreach managers who are from the community. So it's people who live in the community, who know the community, are now working in the community, being able to share information about what's happening at these airports with their neighbors. I often hear from my team that they might be on a weekend going grocery shopping at the supermarket and they'll run into a neighbor who will ask them, hey, why was there a traffic jam last week at the airport that spilled spilled over into my neighborhood? And again, it's that really personal community connection that we think is so important and that really allows us to maintain such a high level of community engagement. We believe that doing what is required by the NEPA laws is essential, but going above and beyond that is, is even better. We can do the required environmental, the meetings, as part of the environmental processes, but to have that ongoing engagement and dialogue ensures that there is a strong relationship between the community and the Port Authority and what's happening at our airports. That's very impressive to have community outreach centers and get that information out to those who are near at the airport and providing those resources. My assumption with doing as much communication as your team is with the community is that you probably have encountered some some challenges. So I would be interested, I'm sure there's a lot of airports that are doing similar initiatives that, that really want to know what challenges they're going to encounter, maybe some strategies to even overcome. 
overcome those challenges? I think the biggest challenge that we have encountered is sometimes there is a gap in information, or, and sometimes that can get filled by misinformation. And that's why it is essential that we are out there communicating through as many uh, channels as possible, through as many forums and events and meetings as possible to make sure that there is no gap and that misinformation is not being spread. We have encountered that sometimes and having to play catch up is not the best position you want to be in. You want to be proactively out there in the community, sharing information and making sure that that sort of vacuum doesn't get created. But other things that we've encountered is the importance of preparation. Because as I talked about, when it comes to minority and women-owned businesses, oftentimes they have not worked in an airport environment. They don't know how to work with an agency like the Port Authority. And so making sure that you have the tools and the programs in place to help prepare them for these contracts and these opportunities. Working at a job site, building a new residential tower is very different from working at an airport, oftentimes because of security requirements and higher insurance requirements and the role that the federal government plays in terms of regulating what's happening at the airport. And so we've done things like have a project readiness boot camp at JFK, which was an intensive three-day boot camp that really soup to nuts educated local businesses, local minority businesses in particular, about what it means to do business with the Port Authority, what it means to work on a project at the airport, how to best prepare your bid response to make sure you are putting yourself in the best position possible to win a contract. And we've gotten some very positive outcomes from that. Keep going back to results because our executive director often says that it's not about the effort, it's about the results. I can give you one example of the boot camp that we hosted almost two years ago now, but there was one local African-American-owned minority business that had never done work at an airport. He was always interested in it, but had never done it. He went through our boot camp, and at this point, he's been awarded multiple contracts at JFK Airport. And the other thing I'll note is we're coming out of a pandemic, and at LaGuardia, the construction work kept going during the pandemic. We did not stop work. And I can't tell you how many minority businesses that worked on LaGuardia that said to us, had it not been for my contract at LaGuardia, I would have gone out of business during that pandemic. The, the boot camp idea is awesome because if they're in that local area and they see it, it's right there. And then it's getting that local engagement that I really think your team's trying to seek with upcoming projects and programs. One thing that was interesting to me that you had discussed earlier in the interview is, you know, really using those, essentially your neighbors, using those local businesses that are right in the area, they're going to help with airport operations. I would be really interested in hearing more about the benefits of having that local engagement for airport employment, airport contractors, and just how that has impacted the facilities that you're working with and the success of that initiative of engaging those businesses. That's a great question because you're really making a change in the lives of these residents who are now working at the airport, which is basically in their backyard. On the concession side as well, when you have concessions who are operated by local people and you have local food and beverage options at the airport, what we're seeing from the airport customers from preference surveys that we've done is they want that local touch. They want to see that this type of food that they're eating is not something that they can find anywhere else, that it's so uniquely New York. And they want to experience that that taste of New York quite literally when they make that trip. It also, I think, helps improve the airport customer's experience because it's not just the same national big brands that you see everywhere else. You really have that sort of feel of the local community and the culture and the food and, and the diversity. So I think it benefits the 
entire airport ecosystem, right? You have employees who are from the community who feel invested in the success of their airport because that only will translate to more opportunities for them. You have businesses that are helping to build the airport who will have a feeling of pride when they see the finished product that one, not only have grown their experience when they move on to their next project, but they can really point to being a part of this historic effort. You have the airport customers who can really see the localness that exists, the diversity that exists at the airport. And I think all around, it creates a much more positive experience for everybody. I completely agree. Yeah, there's nothing more exciting than traveling to an airport and seeing that it has those local elements that that you want to see when you're going to different places throughout the country. Laura, go ahead. The 30% DBE, MBE, WPE goal, you said that that came out of a study that you did to identify how many local businesses fall into that category. Were they already previously certified or in general just identifying that there are businesses that could be certified and then putting that out there to be able to get more certifications in place? that I'm just curious more on what that looked like. The answer is a little bit of everything. <laughs> the disparity study that I that I spoke about that really helped inform the 30% MWBE goal looked at the universe of businesses, certified or not, but really certified is those, you know, helps us really bring a laser focus on those that fit within that M or W category. Really seeing, okay, we have all these businesses that are certified. How are they being utilized? Are they being utilized to the same level that they are available? And we saw that that wasn't quite happening. Prior to our 30% goal, we did have a a lower goal, which was 17%. It was 12% M and 5% WBE. But we did that second disparity study to really see, has this gap improved and we saw that there was still a gap that existed and it had widened a little bit as well that led us to increase that goal to the 20% MBE and 10% WBE. And part of our what we do in the community is really stress the importance of certification because that's what helped us create this 30% goal. That is what's going to help businesses that might otherwise not be even considered for opportunities to really get their foot in their door, to really present their qualifications to a general contractor or a prime contractor contractor and to really show that they can do the work just like any other firm. But it also helps us push to our developers and contractors the importance of breaking contracts down into smaller pieces. Yes, you can probably award a $10 million contract to a large firm and they can do the work. But could you potentially break that $10 million contract down into smaller pieces and help spread the wealth? And this information that we learn from this disparity study helps us push that message to our developers and our contractors. I guess I would love for you to elaborate either on an additional success story you've seen or maybe talk a little bit more about what you think really drove that spend of over $2 billion with minority and women-owned businesses. It wasn't easy because oftentimes, especially in a P3 project, our private partners have a certain schedule and a certain budget that they have to meet and going past that their deadlines are going above budget. But it was important for us to communicate that involving minority and women and local businesses is not automatically mean that you're going to have to spend more or you're going to have to break your deadlines. And it was sometimes it was breaking that myth of it's going to slow us down or it's going to have to help have us pay more. And that's just not accurate. What they're asking for is to be given a fair opportunity to compete. And when they're competing against those giant prime contractors, I don't think they have that fair opportunity. Not only is it the good thing to do, it's the right thing to do. We still met the deadlines. The projects were completed on time, on budget. The results at LaGuardia speak for themselves. $2 billion in MWBE participation 
in historic levels, but also best new airport in the world as evaluated by Skytrax, by UNESCO. Those don't need to be conflicting priorities. Definitely. I think that that's a really inspiring story for airports that are trying to take off on these initiatives and be better about including those businesses. And to just the benefit of working with your local community is great as well. I thought that that was honestly just really inspiring to hear what's going on and how it's a core value of your team to really get that community engagement, get the right information out there, which you really talked about with that last example. A big thank you for coming and joining us and sharing your stories. My pleasure. Thank Thank you. you for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us in the Hold Room for this special podcast series exploring the new passenger experience. You can find more from this series on the ACC Training Hub. That's training.acconline.org backslash the-hold-room or wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, etc. Follow us for more content from the Airport Consultants Council. You can support this podcast by leaving a rating or review and by telling your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Thanks again.